Welcome to Q&A, the podcast series of conversations recorded with artists in the Cadditch and Morrissey Galleries at St. Ambrose University. Last November, Tom Reed joined us to discuss his installation called Between is Not So Far. Tom's drawings and sculptures reveal a world tinged with humor and nostalgia. Tom is the master printer at Island Press, a fine arts print shop housed at Washington University in St. Louis. Tonight we are joined by Tom Reed, an artist, painter, printmaker, all-around multimedia installation professional. He also is an instructor and a master printer at Sam Fox School of Design and Visual Arts at Washington University in St. Louis. Excellent. And within that larger sphere of the school is a press where they print the work of visiting artists. As Tom comes here and visits and puts on a show, he invites artists to come to his press, Island Press, and they print work for artists and then they Take it around publish to art it. fairs. Yep, exactly. Publish, it. publish yeah. it, get it out in the world, every way we can get it out in the world. So um, we have a lot to talk about with him. And uh, I guess to start, I'd like to talk about something I heard you say earlier, which was that this show was sort of designed for the space and that the atmosphere of the work is all tuned to the, I guess, is that the witching hours? Or magic the magic light, yeah. you know, that kind of sun, sunrise, sunset, you know, that, those, that transition. That time period, yeah, in okay. the day. So yeah. did that have anything to do with the space, or was that just, you know, the dimensions of the gallery? Or? Two things were really specific to the space. One was the big the big piece on the wall over there, and I knew that I wanted to make this raft, and those, those are the two things that were really sort of like, look, when you sent me the, the schematic of the room that I really thought about and really wanted to respond to the space by building building those things. So the... The piece on the wall is is from a memory, and it's uh, it, there was this evening that my wife and my daughters and I were camping at this place in in Missouri. If anybody's been to Missouri and spent time in Missouri countryside or in the national forest, it's so unbelievably beautiful. Don't be fooled by the interstates that go through Missouri because they'll make you think that they're it's a hideous place. It's all big giant signs, and I didn't think anything Missouri was you know was anything but a place to drive through. Yeah, Current River, exactly. There's actually a piece about the Current River in the back. But um, so we were camping at this place called Red Bluff, and I've been wanting to make a piece about that. So it was a beautiful, clear night. Our girls were really little. They had just gone to bed, and we were sitting out, and we were having a you know, glass of wine or something, and all of a sudden we started seeing these fireflies. And the fireflies, like, more and more kept coming and more and more kept coming and it was like this moment where from the ground to the stars it was fireflies and you couldn't tell where one ended and one began so I, I, I've always wanted to do that and this seemed like a really good opportunity. I knew I was going to make a raft and thinking about the raft I was thinking about the Mississippi River and the connection between Davenport and a lot of my family that's in the Quad Cities and in Iowa City and St. Louis so then that memory came back. So it was a good opportunity to connect those two things to, to those two things together. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the work, I've really started thinking about my own studio practice in a much different way. Before I would I would have a show and I would come up for the idea with the idea for the show mm-hmm. and I would make sort of all the work to fit into that that notion. And sure. one of the things that I didn't like about that is the minute the show happened it sort of closed that conversation on that idea. And I, you know, as you get older and mature as a person who makes stuff, you don't want that door to close. You want there to be like this constant, this constant reason to be in the studio. You don't want to feel like you have to recreate the wheel. So I started making things, I mean, objects really have led me to this, that I can recycle, that I can reuse, that can go different places, that I can have you know, that, that can respond in a really sort of agile way to a different space or a different environment. So yeah, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of, I guess when I, came, when I was talking to you about my idea for this show, that was sort of the first idea. And then the time of day led me to, you know, bringing all this, these other, these other works and those thoughts as well. Yeah. So these are pieces that are ongoing project, but they're specific to this yeah. environment then. Yeah, yeah. and, I, and I, I think of, I've been thinking things more of just in this sort of constant progression rather than, you know, it's like 
when I have a show, it's sort of where things are. There's a little bit of a response to space, but then, you know, when I come to another opportunity, I can, I don't want to say recycle, but it's yeah, kind of like recycling. Sure. You know, it's just, it's just a way to feel like the studio is a place where things happened yeah. and they don't have to be so specific and it's more of an open environment. Yeah. Then the yesterday's model is no longer relevant. Yeah, so exactly, exactly, exactly. Where you're looking at work and you feel like you're past that or something. I, I always didn't like that. Before we move on, I'd, I'd like to just touch on the, the twilight hour thing again and, and ask about color in relationship to the twilight hour because I think that's a time where light and our our perceptions of light and color are really in flux. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what, what colors gain prominence at twilight and what colors gain prominence at dawn. I mean, those are really interesting questions. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that as you've made these very specific I think, uh, light environments. I think that it was more, I made different material decisions mm. to do that. I mean, part of it is definitely color, mm -hmm. but I think I gravitated more to using more um, graphite and pencil mm. because um, it has that it has like it has that ability to to change like depend like okay so this is a fixed environment right the light's consistent it's going to look a certain way here but when you have something in your home it's like the light's always changing the environment's always changing so like in the studio i see that happen and things and the graphite has this elusive quality where it looks a little bit different through throughout the day i mean based on the angle that you're drawing it at when light hits it that way, all of a sudden it pops. The light will change. That area you know, becomes more subtle. Mm -hmm. And so um, that really, I really became attached to that, that sort of elusive quality. And I think that's what happens at that time of night. Yeah, yeah. It's like this elusive moment where there's certain things that are heightened, but there's also, like, it's... It's really kind of like if you ever, I remember as a kid trying to play baseball or something at that time of night. There's so much, there's so much information in the, in the, in the air or just in the, you know, in the light and what's going on yeah. that's hard to see things. Right. Yeah. You have to move your head around. Yeah. That's what happens with the graphite. Yeah. Some places that shine enough to read. Nolan, you wanted to actually ask about material a little bit. Yeah, I was just kind of wondering, not necessarily the process, but like how many layers do you have, like? Not necessarily per piece, but let's just say like this one right here with like the trees and looks like it's looks like a map or something. I don't know. Like it looks like there's a lot of stuff into it. So I was just explaining this to my friend Joe Patrick who's here. So there are a lot of layers in these. So they're all on panel. I can just talk about it in a really sort of, you know, like uh, tech or not technique, just sort of you know, bare bones way of describing it. So there's I generally start everything with a collage. So there's that collage layer that's down first. And then on top of that collage, I usually build up all the colors and the kind of the environment with just a lot of washes of flash paint. I like using flash paint because it's permanent and it won't rehydrate. And it makes I think it makes really, really lovely, but really kind of intense, rich colored washes. Then on top of that, there's a lot of drawing and painting that just happens. So it's, you know, in terms of layers, there's, you know, there's that layer of collage, there's a layer of paint, there's that layer of pencil, and then there's more paint, and then there's usually more drawing, and, you know, it's just like anything. It's like, I, I, there's not a, you know, certain number to each one, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of layers, and there's a lot of layers to the, to the information. Like, with the big piece back there, it was all collaged, and then it was painted sort of how it would look during the day, and then I kept on pushing it, pushing it back, and because you know to get it to where I wanted it to look like it was at night so there's a lot of layers of blacks and browns and blues and then repainting the the bluffs and then pushing that back and then painting the trees and then pushing those back yeah, and those are all thin washes yeah, yeah yeah and then drawing then finally finishing off with all the drawing on the surface so. what about this yarn idea right here what, what inspired you to create that one I mean, if you look at the drawings, I think that, to me, it seems like a real natural leap from the, this, these kind of concentric line patterns. There were these trees I used to draw that, that felt a lot like those God's Eyes or macrame or something, and they were a lot of concentric lines of color. And I did a portrait of myself that was a, that was a mountain, and the mountain was made up of all these littler mountains. Mm. And they were all built up of these concentric lines, but the, the mountain was made out of each, each of those little mountains was, was a person that had influenced me or had, had an impact on me. So I started building those up, and as I was doing that, um, 
it occurred to me it'd be a really it just would be really interesting to see how that would translate into an object. If I could get that same kind of graphic quality mm -hmm. and that's in the drawings. And there's a real sort of clunkiness to the way that I that I draw and to get that to translate too materially to get that to work. Does that answer your question? Sure. Sort of? Yeah. I mean, um, I really wanted I really wanted these things to come off the off the wall and in, and into the world and exist in the world and it's really interesting. A friend of mine, I was sending pictures of uh, the f a first show that I used some of those forms in, and he I thought it was really interesting. He related them to my my print work because he said in the drawings the drawings have become sort of more elusive and they're about other things, but there's a graphic quality and a graphic punch to the objects and forms that were in the print work. So I think that that's it's interesting to see that cycle kind of happen. Yeah. Has there been a feedback to the lines then after you started working with the yarn, like the drawn lines? Have, have they changed at all, or no? I think that they're. I think that talking to each yeah, other. they're talking. They're definitely talking to each other at this time. I mean, I have this, and this is a little sort of a segue, but um, I call my my. It's not it's sort of a blog slash website thing, mm -hmm. but it's called Welcome to My Backyard, and it's all about. Um, I like. I like responding to just the things that are around me. Like, you know, it's like, you know, we all have our lives and we all have our families and and all of that. But in the studio and in my life, it's like I'd like to feel like they're constantly informing each other. And um, in the studio, it's like I feel like I don't want to say I'm a hoarder because, I mean, I think that my spouse, Amy, might say that I'm a little <laughs> bit of a hoarder. But I'm one of those people who likes to keep things around because they're – uh, I sort of recognize the potential usefulness of something. So those are a result of, you know, really um, partially me wanting to, you know, you know, make them look a certain way, but also, um, you know, also going back in and so kind of cannibalizing off of that stuff that I have and using that and, and sort of keeping it all is, uh, I don't know, I have this, we were talking about this with the, with the frames, mm -hmm. and the frames have this, they're sort of utilitarian, and there's also this kind of simpleness and elegantness to it. And I think that there's something, like, when you're drawing, you start to develop a certain style, or there's something that, that looks kind of quintessentially you, like your work. I think if I would have gone to, like, these great pains to make those houses or something, or mm -hmm. the mountains, if, they, if there wasn't something that was really simple and direct about them, mm -hmm. I don't think they would have felt like they were mine. Right. So it's like using all this stuff that's kind of already around me, responding to marks in the work, and um, having that stuff around that is the remnants of other things, it's like they—it's it, an easy way to keep the conversation like in that in that realm. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. When you said earlier that uh, playing baseball in the, yeah. in the in the as the lights as the lights fading, I, there's such a striking memory to me. Like I instantly knew exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Trying to trying to trying to play the game and keep going and. Yeah, you're, you're playing when it's practically dark. I mean, you're you know, like can't really see endangering it. yourself, but it's yeah. it's an amazing and magical moment. And uh, I think these all these pieces sort of are playing with that sort of euphoria of that imaginative space. But they're the space. They're really the spaces. The the people have been emptied out, or they're or they're hinted at through forms that aren't people, but yeah. they're forms. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that. What, it's what's going on there? I think that's a little bit of like high school nostalgia or something. You know, it's like it's, um, you know, that it's it's that moment after everybody takes off. You know, everyone you're there, something happens. You know, and then you know it's kind of the remnants of what's after, and that's represented in things like those embers of fires that are around. There's even some paintings where I'll have like. There's a little canoe that's like you can see it heading down the river. You can't see who's in it, but you can see that little tail of it heading away. Or there's like an empty wine bottle that's left somewhere. You know, there's little little hints of people, so you know that there's people around and there's people who've been there, but they're they're not there anymore. So it's like it's kind of that after moment when it's when it's quiet. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like in the one. I mean, just. That little one that's back there on the right. There's a little beer can that's yeah, stuck on a stick. Can. There's a little fire. There's you know there's different things in different ones. These don't really have it as much, but yeah, that's definitely something that that is there. And I really consciously left the the figure behind. Hmm. Um, 
you know, the, the figure hung around for a long time in my work, and it kind of got to, it was really strange. I don't know if other people have had this kind of experience with their work, but the moment that the figure leaves the work, it's really kind of hard to get it back in there in a way. You have to go kind of a long ways to get it to come back. This has been a way to include it. You know, I feel like people are present in there. Yeah, and it's just, I don't want to say that there's like an overwhelming sort of environmental message in my work. It's not something that's at the fore, you know, the front of my brain, but it's definitely, it's it's about this relationship that's between people and and nature. And I think we all have you know, it's like, you know, I have a lot of memories, like the high school memories of us, like, going into this place in Iowa City, Hickory Hill Park, and mm-hmm. we'd make fires in there, and we would all drink beer and right. do whatever, and right. and um, Ben Patrick may have been there a few times, right. and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's like... Uh, it's it's you know you, it's it's there's a little bit of that nostalgia. I think there's something about like I remember, you know, being at a place like that after everybody else is gone. You're there with maybe one other person and you're still kind of talking. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's a much different it's a much right. different space. Quieted out. Yeah, out. yeah. It's yeah. emptied out. It's quieted. And have you ever been like with masses of humanity, say like at a party, everybody leaves and the first thing you do is <laughs> yeah, or think of Fourth of July. Finally, so, it's done. So glad <laughs> Even when people are walking away, you know, afterwards, it's it's strangely quiet and peaceful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's you know, I really, um, in terms of the nature, um, I've never been a, a, like an observational, mm-hmm. you know, a true observational drawer or mm-hmm. painter, um, and. I always, it's like when I did try to paint landscapes that were, that felt more like, you know, naturalistic or that I just, there was something that wasn't quite, I couldn't make it work, you know, and it was, and so my approach to these, like the patterns that you see and the way I approach the forms of nature are a little bit of, I mean, it's a little, like, slight abstraction. It's about color, like you were mentioning before. And I feel like having done that, I get back to a place that feels like it's more natural, you know, in ways. And I think that that's, I think that that's, that's important. It's like, I feel like I spend a lot of time in nature. I'm in, like, I'm a person who likes to go stand in the river all day and try to catch fish. And when you're doing that and when you're super focused on something and you're in a place and it's just you, it's like you take note of certain things in that, in that time. And so I feel like I, I get to that place and I will make note of it, but it isn't until I'm like back in the studio. It's like I, I didn't do studies for, I didn't do that, but it's like, how do I get to where my head was there and this and have it still feel like, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I'd like to hear what other people have to say, but I think when I look at these, they feel like, I mean, they feel like they're landscapes. They're not drawn of any specific place. They're drawn of kind of like, there may be an amalgam of a lot of places, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah. You just said patterns, and I looked at that, and all of a sudden I saw it was camouflage pattern. And how ironic, that's what I saw just this <laughs> moment. And how ironic it was to put camouflage on trees. <laughs> camouflage is all about camouflaging yourself in nature, but when you're in nature, look like you a tree. <laughs> nature needs to hide <laughs> from people. Is that your intention there? Make it look like camouflage? No, uh-uh, not at all. It's. I mean, I can see why. I can see definitely why you say that. But it's that. That's just um, in my head. That started at with sycamore trees and the patterns on sycamore trees, and then trans. Yeah, just the you know a couple iterations away from that. But that's really like tongue and cheek. That would be like drawing <laughs> yeah. a bunch of deer. No, like. Uh, animals fleeting a fire and they all have camouflage. <laughs> or fleeting, fleeting the hunters and they all have camouflage. Right, right. Yeah, they do, though. They do, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> uh-huh. I want to ask about the role that uh, the collage you start with. The pages may be torn from coloring books or whatever. I'm reading this over here. Yeah. And, and wondering what kind of dialogue goes on between you and that initial image that's not yours, but it's one you chose. Yeah. And why did you choose it, and how do you use it? I Okay, so I'm going to start with the last part of that question, is why do I use it? And 
it's for me it started out as um, having something to just immediately respond to you know um, intimidated by a blank white sheet it's like there has to be something there to get me going to get the to enter the space and so collage really became that way of doing that you know I think the decisions that I make about the material that I use for the collage is pretty specific it's like a lot of the pulpy yellow old paper it's word finds it's it's comic books, or not comic books, it's it's coloring books, it's maze books, it's, you know, crossword puzzles. The coloring books and maze books and stuff, a lot of that came from my youth or me trying to find stuff that came from my youth and just, and not so much being nostalgic for youth, but being nostalgic for those marks. And the marks, there's something that, that's like, if you look at a coloring book now compared to a coloring book from the, from the 70s, it's... It, the ones from the 70s are a lot cooler. They're much, the drawings are better, everything about them is cooler. And they've got a little bit of that patina to them and that age, and I like that. And then I had an aunt, um, my Aunt Mary was obsessed with puzzle books. I mean, we'd be sitting around, like, having a conversation, watching football or whatever, and she'd be sitting there plowing through word finds, and she'd start to put them in boxes for me when she saw that I was using these kinds of images in my collages and she would send me boxes and boxes of them and so you'll see the word finds a lot and those I feel like I'm using really really intentionally when I want to have that kind of contact that where I feel like I'm drawing on stuff from family or whatever I feel like I'm in dialogue with that material because I know that material and I have a strong connection to it a lot of times and I don't want you to think this is a cop-out but a lot of times the collage is just the collage, you know, and I, I make that and I do make decisions on where things go, but it, it feels like it's more about filling space and just getting that panel ready to go. And then the coincidences that happen um, either come out of just the process of painting and recognizing more than there's a relationship between them, or sometimes they're just there to complicate things. Because that's one of the, that's one of the things I really like about the collage, and it's not as apparent in this work as it is in the like the brighter work. But when you see it from across the room, there's there's a composition that you recognize, and there's stuff that's really really readable from across the room. And then the closer that you get to that surface, the more complicated it becomes, and the denseness, and that denseness of the collage leads you to the other things where there's a similar kind of language or mark making that's going on in the drawing. So I feel like I, I, I use it as a strategy to enter the piece, but I also use it as a way to, um, once you're in front of it, it's going to help keep you there, help keep you looking through it. So how does that affect the archival quality of the paper? Do you, can you do something? <laughs> <laughs> there is. Some, there is something you can do to make it, and I don't know, it seems to be working. So far, we'll see how it ages. But okay, so um, a paper maker told me that. So when I, after I glue down the collage, I have this solution of Roplex. Do you guys know what Roplex is? Allison knows what Roplex is. She comes from the land of Roplex, which is Washington University printmaking department. But it's like an acrylic medium, okay? And I thin it down so it's almost like water. I mean, it's super, super, super thin, and I add calcium carbonate to it, which is what this paper maker told me to do. And does that neutralize it? That's what she said. She said that that acts to neutralize the um, the acids in that paper. And I also think because everything's glued down with PVA, and then I'm coating again with um, acrylic medium on top of that, even though it's thinned down, that's gonna stabilize it right there. It's it's encased in plastic, you know, so it's it shouldn't go anywhere. But it's and I don't think it's really obvious, but I revise and revise and revise the drawing until I kind of get, you know, as I'm building these up and change stuff. And it makes the surface of the paper so incredibly tough that it'll never fuzz up and it doesn't ever do anything to the surface, but it'll always take a wash and it'll hold that wash in a really lovely way. So I kind of stumbled upon that because I would erase and erase and erase when I was just working on paper by itself and it would leave marks and then you're then you have to figure out how to you know, fix those marks. So yeah. And the surface is really incredible, and you go, how do you get that? And and it's really nice. Dumb and luck. <laughs> You're kind of creating an absorbent ground with that uh, yeah. calcium carbonate, right? So it's going to be, it's always going to, it's going to take, take and um, yeah, 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 exactly. Accepting 
uh, more material. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have two questions related to that. Uh, I've talked a lot with my students in the past about you know that old Matisse trope about how he works so hard to make it seem so easy. You know, uh -huh. and, and you just now brought that up that these are these are worked, and and so you know my first question is how as you move from that collage into this uh, drawing on top of the collage and you're figuring out this composition, you're figuring out the narrative that's happening here, how much of that is you're bringing to the table and how much of that are you finding and then developing and reworking to discover? That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it is finding on the way. And I think that, I think a lot of that um, comes from my experience as a, as a printer in a lot of ways and collaborating with people. You know, we at Island Press, when we have somebody come in, they come in for a week, and um, we have to find something. We have to find something together, and I have to collaborate with them, and I have to figure out how their brain works, and, you know, they're collaborating with me and trying to, you know, understand the nonsense I might be saying at them. You know, like, we should try a sugar lift, such and such a thing, and they don't know what that is. But no, so, so we have, you know, so I think that... Um, that's something that I really love. I love that discovery. I love, I love you know when you're collaborating with someone and you reach that moment where you really um, where it clicks, mm -hmm. and you like they think you got it and you think you got it and it's great. And I I, th I I think that's just part of the work. It's like I I always go into it not not knowing. I mean, there's a little bit of an idea, or sure. I keep a sketchbook, a little back pocket sketchbook. And that might be a guide for you know structure of a composition or 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 sort of a poetic moment that I want it to kind of hinge on or something like that. But to get to that, it's just I just figure it out as I go. And the collage is influencing in terms of the structure, or is it sort of just becoming background? I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think when it when it asserts itself, you know, and I recognize that moment, I use it. But the rest of the time, it's just really. I'm pushing and pulling against it, yeah. Yeah, it's both. It's both those things. And so, you know, you've mentioned now in this conversation, you've mentioned um, memories of high school, memories of, of, of the home, yeah. memories of uh, objects within the home. Yep. And, you know, that also is another thing that I've been talking with students about lately is like uh, the poetics of space, the poetics of space, yeah, and yeah, your, yeah, yeah. your formative years in these homes and how they influence your aesthetics yeah and uh, I'm curious about you know were you a drawer as a kid and is are these are these sort of maintaining a line to when you were a kid and you drew or is this you drawing to get back to that place in some way or no I know you said it wasn't nostalgia but it's um, yeah I mean come on I can't I can say all day that they're not nostalgic but they're totally nostalgic <laughs> I mean you know they're <laughs> you know, they've, they've got all sorts of things, you know, nostalgic things. But no, I think that um, I did draw a lot when I was a kid. You know, when I was talking about earlier about having the work just kind of be able to continue in line and be able to use all of it and return to it reusing and in reusing stuff. Yeah. I, I've always felt like if I could lay everything I ever made yeah. end to end and look at it, it would totally make sense. Yeah. You would totally see that progression changing and happening. I wish there was, I wish I, you know, wish we had, like, smartphones when I was a little kid so I could have been obsessively <laughs> documenting everything. But, oh, I'm not trying to get back to my childhood. No, it's really just following that, it's following that inclination and in that I have always drawn, I've always, like, as I had spiral books, like those spiral notebooks as a kid that I would do these, um, I like to call them cloud drawings. Mm -hmm where I would just sit there and make spirals and spirals and spirals till it looked like something. And then I'd be like, oh, it looks like a dinosaur. So then it becomes a dinosaur, mm -hmm. or it became a lot of creepy faces. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. that. But, um, you know, each of those things led to another thing. It's all in that, it's just keeping to that lineage. I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of working along that lineage. I don't think I'm trying to get back to, mm -hmm. um, like, that headspace of being in high school or any of that. I mean, part of those... Those things come in and out of the work and what you're drawing, and um, but it's really it's really kind of just a straight progression. And as I'm drawing, it's like if you look, there's there's like real specific kind of tropes that come up. Like for a while, it was stumps, and then it was acorns, and now it's trees, and then it'll turn into something else. But they're all you'll see that moment where that shift started to happen. And yeah, yeah. And these symbols 
they, they take on poetic possibilities for the viewer, separate from you, but you, you are attaching personal symbolic value to, to these objects that come into your work that repeat? Like, well, for instance, these, I, I, these are like chunks of steak coming out of the ground <laughs> for yeah. me, you know? And yeah. uh, I, uh, weirdly, I go, well, I see these two pieces and I think of this um, memory from my high school years where there was a thing going on in our town where kids would go out to Lake Story, our local park. Yeah. And they, everyone was seeing um, trolls or uh, elves. <laughs> everyone was, everyone swore they saw these magic yeah. gnomes. And it was yeah. probably there was probably high school shenanigans involved with that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Are but, these gnomes in a package or in a? I mean, I never saw them out? myself, but everyone, <laughs> but I think everyone was saying that they did see them, you know. But yeah. I it was usually Friday night they saw them, but. I'm glad you didn't. See them. But this is, I, yeah, no, and I never saw them, I swear. No. But if I had seen them, I imagine they would have looked a little bit like this. Like, you're out in the woods, and you see, you just see them, like, behind the... Yeah. And so I'm constructing a narrative with these objects here, but I, I recognize that there's a surreal quality to them. And, um, and they, they are sort of um, very suggestive for, for, this, uh, for this sort of landscape. So I'm just curious, you know, when you attach... Uh, yourself to an acorn and then you keep drawing the acorn yeah, yeah, are yeah. they are they going are they becoming um, suggestive of other things for you personally or is it just uh like well yeah, they usually have a pretty specific like the acorns were all about you know potential mm. this idea of potential uh, and there's sure. that's like a lot of the a lot of the work has this sort of window element to it that's you know that and it was also a device for create creating that or mm. Like the the stumps were a platform, like a stage where things could happen. So there's a, but this is this is just following the mountain uh -huh. thing. So it's like it's funny that you related it to the the gnomes. I mean, it's like the little red hat. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, these are just like little. They're like kind of like mushrooms, uh -huh, but they're also uh -huh. like mountains. You know, they're like the little uh -huh. sprouts of mountains Mountain coming up. Coming, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, there's a lot of really bright things still, but this for this show, it's like yeah, it's a much darker thing. There was. The, it's like, I think it's part of the this kind of cycle, like the day, the cycle of the day that I'm going through right now. And right now, a lot of the work is in that sunset to nighttime to sunrise period. But it, it's coming back around to that. It's like things are starting to get brighter again. I'm moving into daytime, I guess. I just, uh, you know, it's, it's like anything. As soon as you get attached to it, you get attached. You know, you get attached to it, and you keep on digging, digging into it more and more. Yeah. I think that the, there's something about the nighttime that I very that I'm really interested in. In that, you know, materially, I really like the way color, especially the blues, you know, are sitting on that dark surface. They become kind of electric to me, and I really love that. But there's also, I I feel like right now I'm pushing stuff back to where it's like, how visible should it, does it need to be to still make like like feel satisfying as a drawing and still feel full and and um, there's it's I think it's it's partially just challenging myself to see how how elusive I can make it where it still it still works you know and I think that the that the um, the nighttime is helping me is helping me sort through that yeah Exactly. Exactly. They'll be like, yeah, at the horizon line, there'll be that little peak of something that's coming through. Yeah. And then they'll get that bigger and reveal themselves. Exactly. Grow, grow, grow. Exactly. No, it's, it's, um, I really, it's, it, it's really, it's really interesting. I did this diptych for um, a show a couple of years ago, and that's what led me to start doing a lot of the, the darker stuff. But um, uh, I really liked that that m this moment where where there's a shift and like in this those five little drawings that are over there on the wall that have the little the, the blue sky with the mountain and the rest of them that are all this forest pieces um there's this there's this short story um by ernest hemingway 
called Big Two-Hearted River. And it's, it's a really great little short story. And it's really funny. You know how when something really hits you and you read it the first time and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so poignant. And then you go back and read it and I was like, that's what it, that's, you know, that, <laughs> you know? But there's this moment, it's about this young man, he's returning home and there's like, at the town where he's from, um, it had burned down. There was like a big fire and the fire, it was a big forest fire, it burned down most of the town. But there's this really interesting moment where he's crossing over from all, everything that's burned as he's walking to his ho family homestead to where like that moment when the when the fire stopped and it was everything was normal and fine mm -hmm. and that really seemed like it's like oh that's that's kind of what i've been chasing after with the sunrise and sunset moment it's like i'm after that i'm kind of after that moment that line you know and and kind of teetering back and back and forth. And this way, I don't really have to be in either camp. In ways, I can I can have half the piece be about one side, and half the piece be about you know be about that other side. Yeah, yeah. it's a very exciting uh, place to be to <laughs> have it so you know, emptying out, emptying out, and then potentially filling it back up again. Right? Yeah, moving into this other, yeah. other place, life yeah. life returns. So it's. Um, like driving down the street and you think it's delight I can keep my life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to turn and that And then you're just pressing it and pressing it. <laughs> and all of a sudden you find yourself in other darkness. Yeah. And you've completely missed that moment. <laughs> yeah, you, you're approaching your Rothko Chapel. Uh, yeah, there we go. Here. Is yeah. it going to get even dimmer? It's got to get dimmer. Yeah. yeah, I need it. Yeah, we can. We should make the space really dark and see, <laughs> and see what's left. Yeah. Until we can see. Uh, I, I feel like because of the nature of the crowd, we're we're missing a little bit of the sculptural element of the show. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else that we can talk about with that before we wrap this up? Um, is, this has been happening for a while. The sculptures have been happening for a while. They've been uh, yeah. incorporated in the dialogue for a, for a little more than than a year. They oh, started. Okay. They started out, and it's really been a learning curve for me. Um, to figure out how to make these things in 3D and make them feel like they're kind of meaningful. I've known, I've been really fortunate to have known a lot of people who are really good at making 3D stuff and it feels really natural and I can kind of take cues from them a little bit. With those, I still feel like they're, they're clumsy. I still feel like I'm fumbling through it, but I feel like every time I get to work with it, I get a little bit, I get a little bit closer. And I think every with every chance I have to create another iteration of them, I figure out maybe a little bit more of what they need to be than what they are what they are now. Like I think with these that these bigger mountains will start to go away. And they don't really even look that much like mountains. Let's be honest with ourselves. They don't. But that's what I call them because the way they relate to the drawings. But I would like to have them be a little these objects be a little bit more even more modular than maybe they are where. I can like, I can reconfigure them yeah. and build them in a different way, almost like, almost like, like Legos or sure. something like that. I mean, not blocks, but there it would take a lot of them. You could need a lot of them to yeah. make something out of. So yeah. I think that that might be the direction that they're that they're going into. But I, th I for now they're they work and they're doing. They're, they're, it's really satisfying and. Um, and I think that there's that there's a richness that they that they give the room, yeah. because that just through the forms of them, there's little echoes of them all around you. Yeah. So, you know, if they, if I showed them by themselves, I feel like they would they would really kind of fall flat. But because they have the they have this other support network of other things and. Right. And they can have a dialogue that that's where their that's where kind of their success is. Yeah. Yeah. How do you make them? I mean, the whole hour just looking at them. How do you put it together? And what is underneath? And I don't want to touch it. You know. You can touch it. It's um, they're made out of foam. The structure of them is made out of uh, made out of um, carpenters like that white uh, insulation foam. They're blue foam. Excuse me. And then um, I buy yarn that has that just changes color as it goes on the skine, and um, I cover, I coat them with a pressure-sensitive adhesive, and I put them on a stool like the swivelly stool, and I start at the top and I just turn it and keep on working it all the way down, down to the bottom. So you rasp the 
you glue it together, the insulation. Yeah, and then layers. and then make yeah, then make the form, and then once I have a form I like, then I coat it with adhesive, and then I do the yarn last. Does, yeah. Does that work for you? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I was just imagining struggling. It's like any. Work. I mean, it's like it's like anything. You you figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the one thing I. I I'm a strong believer of thinking on your feet and making it up as you go. Is I think that's as as a person who's an art educator, and you know, um, and it's kind of my philosophy as a printer too. Is it's like, you know, n not everything's going to be handed to you. You got to figure it out, and there's going to be complicated right. moments. And if you just sit there and go, "Gosh, this is really complicated," <laughs> not you're not going to get anywhere. So you just got to figure it out. Yeah. You know, it's like. I went and bought yarn. I didn't know what else to do to them. I was like, I want these to look like this. And I was planning on doing like one color, then another color. <laughs> and I happened to find this other stuff. So it's like, you know, it's like anything. You got to think on your feet. You have to be agile and you got to, you know, you kind of just got to, it's like anymore. I just, I just want to trust myself and I want to trust my instincts. And that's, that's the headspace I want to be in. I don't want to, it's like, you know, I'm going to let a lot of dogs out and there's going to be some stuff that doesn't ever get shown or whatever, but you just go past it. It's like I'm not going to get hung up on having everything just be this, perf this perfect thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, yeah. the, fl the flip from um, creating a space, I mean, you have these figures in the space, the objects, the, the little mountains, the, the, the trees, you have figures, forms in the space, but they're... The paintings are about spaces, at least in this show, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And then you go to actually just focusing on the forms and just creating little, little figures. Yeah. And um, so that's it's like a, a flip of the two D to three D, and that seems like it, um, the experience of making that very different thing is, is exciting. At this it point. is. It is really exciting, and it's allowed me to bring other things back into it, like little things that I've made years and years and years ago or find their way back in like that little acorn on top of the green mountain in there with the tree coming on it that was the first like object that i made like years and years and you know years ago and that little carved guy that's on there that little sculpture that stares at you right as you walk in the room i made that a long time ago too i think i made that when i was oh my gosh i can't even rem i can't even remember when i made that and so it's like i found that and it's like all of a sudden, it, it's like it makes sense in, in that in that space, really sort of, yeah. you know, too. So enough that I want to include it. Sure. Yeah. Do, do you see? I guess as I look at it, um, what I really see is a uh, not, not not dichotomous bits, but you see this two-dimensional, three-dimensional, and you see this. They're both about space, but this is really um, desolate or calm. And like there's a remnants of people. Yeah. And then here you've got the buildings, which aren't the remnants of people. They're like yeah. The yeah. Knowledge. Yeah. The presence of and, people for and sure. I like that you said this idea of this modular or, or Lego thing because this seems much much more playful in the sense of almost like a Minecraft or like a game. Type of yeah. Thing. Yeah. Think of Mario, like the, the mountains of Mario. <laughs> yeah. 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 In comparison to this, where it's. Um, I mean, really, it's the same colors, just different tonalities. You know, it's like you're dealing with these blues and these greens and these browns. Yep. And this is something that um, is a memory. Like, it seems like a memory. It, it yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, totally, totally. The, the, the reconstruction of the past, and this seems like... I'm inventing a new memory or something. something yeah, this is yeah, happening. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. exactly. This sculpture is just like the painting. They're both playful and childlike, and then there's this Zen kind of Japanese quality, you know, otherworldly quality, and and that that mountain feels really Zen. I mean, you know, it's like when you rake the sand and yeah. make it all lay a certain way. Well, I mean, you got you know, it looks really Zen and huh. kind of Japanese. So I That's think good. You got Iowa Z happening here for sure. You know, it's um, it's really funny that you know you said that about um, the you know the building of it or creating a you know creating of it. It's like I was um, I think I was telling Chris when I was making this, um, you know, 
I don't have a really huge studio. We converted, we have a little garage that we converted into our studio. And my wife Amy and I share it. And so, and I tend to hog a lot of it. She works two dimensionally, so when I start doing stuff like this, I hog a lot. But um, this thing just kept on getting bigger and bigger and growing. And it was this tiny room, and, I, and it made me feel like Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters <laughs> when he's building the, the Devil's Tower out of the dirt from his yard. It's like, that's really how this started to, it's like, okay, I'm because, ch- you know, he was chasing something. He had this thing in his head, he couldn't get out, you know, and uh, so I felt like it was very similar in that way because I was chasing that environment, trying to make it work. Well, you had mentioned at the beginning, like, the, the raft idea along with Mississippi and yeah. cities and St. Louis and, and, you know, just the path of all these other cities. How does, how does the raft specifically relate to to this, yeah, I guess, to the objects, like to the objects, I, I think that that it's that it's like, I think it kind of ties into what we were talking about before about like the nature nature needing camouflage, or it's like I feel like it's it's sort of escaping, it's it's a little bit of nature escaping, or you know, it's like it's all of a sudden this city or environment on a raft that's trying to go somewhere that's maybe better. We're out of here. Yeah, we're out of, we're out of here. Yeah, maybe they're going to Canada. <laughs> Next week. Yeah. But you know, you know what I mean? I think I think it's like there's there's it's like I I I have you know to be honest, I have trouble coming to terms with this sort of I feel like this this envi- sort of environmental bent that my work can take sometimes. And I see it less as being an environmental thing as sort of this poetic idea that, you know, that um, like the tree on the canoe is where this, that sort of led to this. This is a more evolved idea of this, like evolved version of the same idea. This is like a tree under its own volition is like, I'm out of here. You know, this is bad. I'm taken to the river. I'm going to go find a place. And it's about exploration. It's, you know, it's about, it's about that. And so I think that um, wanting to create that connection between Davenport and St. Louis, at least in my head, um, and this, this sort of, this kind of like folk art world that I feel where my art kind of, you know, occupies sort of. Um, I feel like it relates to that in a kind of very Huckleberry Finn kind of way. And um, so that, I mean, I think that's, I think that it's mostly about ending up with something that, 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 that feels, feels right, feels like it has the kind of, it has the kind of poetic expression that I want it to, that I want it to have, um, rather than being a specific idea. I know I kind of staggered away from what we were talking about there, sorry. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. No, okay. I, I, is the tethering? Is that? Is the tethering? Uh, it's meant to be kind of. It's meant to be kind of funny in that, like, this is where everybody is, and I think that um, that's maybe where I am. Is on the raft that's back there, you know. And then um, I liked. I liked it since that came first. That that's why I included. That's why I included that. Yeah. 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 Well, we're probably reaching our time here. Does yeah, anyone else have any last questions before we wrap this up? I guess I have one. Um, yeah. So you're consciously eliminating humanity or keeping the figure out of it. Do you ever anticipate, especially St. Louis, there's a lot of industry along the river? Yeah. Do you ever anticipate 10 years from now that that might creep in? I don't know. Maybe it might it might creep back in. I mean, I feel like as it's like um, the Mississippi plays a really predominant like it's predominant to the view of St. Louis, and it's kind of an ever present kind of thing. And I feel like right now they're doing all this stuff right on the riverfront, which is strangely one of the most industrial parts of the river. It's like you're down here and it's at, you're at the arch, and then you look across the river and it's cargo, and you're like, oh wow, that's a bummer, you know? But I like to go just a little bit further downriver, and there's this really beautiful park, Belle Reve, and so that's the way I like to think about the Mississippi, and not so much about that area. But may, who knows? Maybe that's you know, it's you know, just have to see. I don't know. That's a tough question to answer. Yeah. I yeah. think what you'll do is you'll be doing one of your landscapes, and you'll you'll cut away a bank, and there'll be a bunch of voids in there that are the shape of human 
Yeah. It sounds like a lot of your pieces are observed from like memories that you have. Yes. So, uh, do you ever have do like pieces like from like previous memories? Like you were saying, the memories of like playing baseball when you were younger and the nighttime changing. Have you ever yeah. Like cityscapes like memories of that of you growing up or. You know, it's that? it's like I would say it's not so much. It's it, I would say it's not so much about a specific memory, like illustrating that specific memory, as it is creating the setting of that memory. I think that's where I think that's more where it's at for me is getting back to it's like something that um, you know how like you'll walk you'll be somewhere and you'll like smell something and it's like wow that smells just like my grandma's perfume or you know it's like or like there's you know just something will trigger trigger a memory and it's kind of a sensory thing and I feel like that's more of what interests me is that that sensory thing like the the everything around it like that time of day and how things maybe smelled or the light, you know, those things. That's what it's, yeah, that's what interests me. But can I say one last little thing? Sure, sure. I want to say thank you to everybody, and I want to say thank you to you and to St. Ambrose and Catch for having me here. This has been really, really great. And I want to say thank you to all you guys for coming out and people who traveled to come and see me that I haven't seen in a long time. It's awesome. So thank you. Well, thank you, too. It's been a pleasure. This has been Q&A recorded in the Cadditch Gallery at St. Ambrose University in Davenport, Iowa. The Cadditch and Morrissey Galleries are located in the Galvin Fine Arts and Communications Center at 2101 North Gaines Street between Locust and Lombard. All content of this podcast is the exclusive property of St. Ambrose University, copyright 2017, and may not be utilized without expressed written permission.